opening the scriptures, the New Testament, the gospel according to Matthew, the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, reading the account from verses 18 through 25. After setting forth the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, we might see some of the fullness of the application of scripture from Old and New Testament. Matthew focuses on the revelation given to Joseph concerning the conception and birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Born to save. Joseph was upset. He was engaged to be married, but it was all falling apart. His fiancée was pregnant. And Joseph knew that he was not the father. How could his beloved Mary betray him and get pregnant with another man after she had promised herself to him? It was a terrible blow. And Joseph decided he must call off the wedding and end the relationship. Still, Joseph was, had too much character to be cruel, so he planned to break up quietly without disgracing Mary in public. Joseph made his plan. But before he could carry it out, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Could it be? 
Could Mary be a virgin and yet be pregnant? Could the baby really be from the Holy Spirit? Yes, Joseph was convinced. He believed the message from where Mary's baby really came. But why had this miracle baby come, come into Mary's womb? Who was this baby? The angel answered that question as well. He said to Joseph, Mary will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus was not just a cute name that sounded good to Mary and Joseph. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. Jesus was born to save. In the declaration of the angel, let's think about three descriptions that the angel reveals concerning this conception and birth. Jesus is the selected son. He is the sinless son. And he is the saving son. The selected son. When the angel said he will save his people from their sins, he stated in one sentence why the baby Jesus came into the world. No sentence in the whole Bible explains the meaning of Christmas more clearly. We need to let that statement sink in. Savor each word. He will save his people from their sins. He, and he alone can save. None can save themselves. Jesus must do it. The name of Jesus doesn't mean he can, you can save yourself. The name Jesus doesn't mean there are many saviors. The name of Jesus means the Lord saves. As Peter declared to the Sanhedrin in Acts 4 verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is what it means to say, He will save his people from their sins. Highlight the next word. He will save his people from their sins. It's absolutely certain. The angel didn't say he might save or he will try to save. The angel said he will save. Jesus' is coming wasn't a matter of fond wishes and hopes that something good might happen. Jesus was born with a mission that was sure to be accomplished. God's power would make sure of it. He will save. The next word is supremely important. He will save. Jesus wasn't born just so that people would have think about cute babies at Christmas time. He was born to save. Jesus wasn't born just to teach good things and to make people feel better. He was born to save. Jesus wasn't born to give a bit of help and provide extra boost that we might need to improve our lives. He was born to save. Jesus came into the world to rescue us from something terrible and to give us something wonderful. He will 
save. Whom will he save? He will save his people. That's the next thing that must sink in. Jesus will not save each and every person on earth. He will save his people. Jesus is not the automatic thing for everybody. Jesus will save you only if you are among his chosen people who belong to him and look to him in faith. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. In John 10, verses 26 and 27, Jesus told some people who rejected him, You do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus was not born to save those who stubbornly remain in rebellion and unbelief. Jesus was born to save his people. From what was he born to save? From their sins. He didn't come just to save us from enemies who attack us, though he will indeed save us from Satan and from all of God's enemies. He didn't just come to save us from problems of poverty and sickness and trouble, although he will do that too. But the first and foremost thing the heart of salvation is Jesus will save his people from their sins. Our greatest need is not to be saved from Satan or human oppressions or other problems. What you and I need most is to be saved from our own sins. We need to be saved from the wrath of the Holy God who identifies our sins as treasonous. When the angel told Joseph that Mary was still a virgin and was pregnant with a miracle child, it was good news. And the news got even better when the angel told Joseph he will save his people from their sins. The catechisms of the Reformed faith state, The eternal Son of God, who is and continues true and eternal God, took upon himself the very nature of man, of the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary by the operation of the Holy Ghost, so that he might also be true seed of David, like unto his brethren in all things, sin accepted. Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and born of her, yet without sin. Jesus is the selected son. Second anthem we can take from the angel's words is that Jesus is the sinless son. Jesus was born to save. He was not born by the usual human act of reproduction. He was born of a virgin. His mother, Mary, became pregnant through a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Some people think this is impossible. They say that the only reason people in earlier times believed in the virgin birth was that they were less scientific and more gullible. 
But Joseph didn't need to be a biological professor to know where babies come from. He figured that if Mary was pregnant, she must have been unfaithful to him. Joseph believed the miracle only after the angel gave him a message straight from God. Joseph didn't believe in the virgin birth because he was gullible. He believed in the virgin birth because it happened. The angel who spoke to Joseph didn't offer many details about how the baby began to grow in Mary's womb. The angel's explanation was short and simple. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That's all we know about the miraculous conception of Christ, how it took place. That's all we need to know. The Holy Spirit made it happen. The Holy Spirit somehow found a tiny embryo in the womb of Mary, the Blessed Virgin. Without any earthly father, the baby began to grow. We don't know how the Spirit did this, but he did it. Nothing is impossible for the Spirit of Almighty God. But why did the Spirit form this baby through a direct miracle? Why couldn't Jesus have been conceived the way other babies are conceived? Because this baby would save his people from their sins. To save others from sins, Jesus had to be sinless himself. And that couldn't happen if he inherited a sinful nature from his parents. Sin is not just something we do. It's deeply ingrained in who we are. What King David wrote about himself is true of everyone. Psalm 51 verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean that, the, that sex or conception are sinful, but it does mean that parents are sinful and that sinful parents produce sinful children. Babies conceived by sinful parents are born sinful with evil tendencies just waiting to come out and show themselves. In order to save us, Jesus had to be one of us, but he also had to be different. He had to have a human nature, but not a sinful nature. He had to be conceived through the union of, he, he could not have been conceived if he was through the union of two sinful parents. He would have inherited a sinful nature from them. Jesus had to be formed in a completely different way. Another reason Jesus had to be conceived through the miracle was that he was God taking on human nature. That was so unique and stupendous it couldn't happen through ordinary human reproduction. When the Spirit formed the baby Jesus in Mary's womb, the Spirit didn't just form a perfect, sinless human baby. He did something even more amazing. He made a baby who was perfectly human and perfectly divine. The Holy Spirit somehow took the being of the Son of God, the eternal second person of the Holy Trinity, who existed with the Father and the Spirit before the creation of the world and from all eternity, and he united that eternal Son of God with the cells and organs and personalities of a developing unborn infant. 
He joined the eternal deity to fragile humanity to produce someone who is both God and man. The Bible says, Isaiah 7.14, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, The virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus wasn't conceived and born just as another baby. He was conceived and born as God with us. The virgin birth of Jesus is the basic truth of Christian faith, and it is essential to Jesus' mission of saving his people. Unless Jesus is sinless, he cannot save. Unless Jesus is God with us, he cannot save. Jesus' sinless human nature and his glorious divine nature both require birth from a virgin. Some people deny the virgin birth. Even some church leaders deny the virgin birth. To pick a grievous example, United Methodist Church Bishop C. Joseph Sprague, born 1939, says that Jesus, his conception and birth concerning through the, occurred through the natural process of procreation. Sprague, <coughs> Sprague speaks of the myth of the virgin birth and says, a theological myth is not a false presentation but a valid and quite persuasive literary device. This false teacher is so accustomed to making up myths that he says that a myth, myth really isn't false just because it's not true. Joseph would not have taken Mary as his wife if the angel had told him, oh, the virgin birth is a literary device. Your fiancé is pregnant through the natural process of procreation. Joseph didn't marry a literary device. He married a virgin. Mary's baby was more than just a human baby. He was also the son of God. When people deny the virgin birth, they usually end up denying other basic truths about Jesus and his salvation. Bishop Sprague denies that Jesus has always been the divine son of God. Sprague says that Jesus was not born divine, but that his divinity was a quality he got later. The bishop says, Jesus is not the only way to salvation. He says that after Jesus died, his body did not return to life, but that Jesus' resurrection is a metaphorical symbol expression of truth. Another case of the bishop saying that even though something isn't true, it's not false either. What double talk? A pastor in a communist country was persecuted for preaching Christ. When he heard that some seminary professors in free countries were saying that the resurrection of Jesus was a nice metaphor and a helpful literary device, the pastor responded that he would never risk his life for a metaphor. He would suffer and die only for the truth. He kept trusting 
in preaching the real Jesus who was born of a virgin and really did rise from the dead. Bishop Sprague is a deceiver and a disgrace to the church that pays his salary. But in his own wicked way, he shows how closely the whole of the Christian gospel is tied to the virgin birth of Jesus. Jesus' identity as God with us, his mission as the only Savior, his atoning death as the only payment for sin, his resurrection over death can't be separated from his virgin conception and birth. Those who reject the virgin birth reject much else. But those who accept the virgin birth can rejoice in the many other marvels that are connected to it. The sinless Son of God was born of a virgin to save his people from their sins. Jesus is not only the selected Son, but he is also the sinless Son. The saving son. Jesus was born to save. Let's get specific about this. Look at some aspects of sin from which Jesus saves. Before we talk about the problems of what we do, let's talk about the problems of what we are. Let's talk about original sin. The sinful nature we were born with has a legacy going all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. Original sin is plainly taught in the Bible and in our own experience. Babies don't, be, don't need to be taught how to be self-centered. Toddlers don't need lessons in how to scream, MINE! Christians have an amazing ability, and children have an amazing ability to fight and throw tantrums without being trained at all. We love children. Little ones have a lot of charm in our precious creations of God. Even so, original sin is too obvious to deny. Original sin isn't just something I see in my children or in others. It's in me. It always has been. I need to be saved from original sin, and so do you. It's wonderful news that on Christmas a baby was born without original sin, and that baby came to save his people from their sins who were born with it. Although we are born of Adam into a sinful race, we can be born of God. The Bible says, to those who receive him, he gave the right to be called the children of God, children not born of descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God, John 1, 12 and 13. Just as Jesus did not enter Mary's womb by the natural means, but by supernatural means, so Christ does not enter our hearts by natural means, but by supernatural rebirth. The new birth, which the Bible also calls regeneration or being born again, creates new life in you. This life of God's Holy Spirit saves you from the death and decay of the old nature, 
old sinful nature, which all people, except Jesus, have inherited from parents. That is a vital part of what the angel meant when he said that of baby Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. He saves from original sin. Jesus also saves believers from guilt and the grip of particular sins they commit. We had begun in original sin, which was truly our own, even though it passed from our parents before us. Would God forgive that sinful nature? And even if God forgave that, what about the sinful deeds we deplore but keep on doing? Would God forgive besetting sins? And even if God forgave those, what about sins that lead other people to sin? Would God forgive sins that corrupt others? And even if God forgave those, what about sins that stopped recently, but were wallowed in for some 20 years or more? Would God forgive long-time sins? And even if God forgave those, what about the fearful sins that when life ends, God will turn his face away? Would God forgive such doubting sins? The list goes on and on. Is there ever an end? a way for God to complete the work of forgiving and taking care of every one of us and for all? Yes. In the giving of God's Son, Jesus, God gives his love, his forgiveness, and his acceptance. Don't let this Christmas season pass you without receiving this forgiveness and enjoying it for yourself. Do you feel trapped by who you are and by the sinful tendencies you were born with? Jesus was born to save from original sin. Do you feel frustrated by the bad things you hate but can't seem to stop doing? Jesus was born to save from besetting chronic sins. Do you feel horrible about other lives that you've corrupted and crushed? Jesus was born to save from those sins which have been contagious and deadly? Are you haunted by sins that you have recently stopped doing but are so serious or committed so many years ago that the guilt won't go away? Jesus was born to save from those two. Are you weighed down by sinful doubts about God's grace? Jesus was born to save his people from sins of doubt and unbelief. It may sound impossible that Jesus would save from so much sin, but is it any more impossible that a virgin become pregnant? Is it any more impossible that God become one with us? As the angel Gabriel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God, Luke 1, 37. The virgin birth of the Son of God is such a huge miracle that just about anything else is possible as well. So believe in Jesus. Trust him to save you from your sins. Ask him to take away your guilt, to spare you from punishment, and to set you free from sin's power. Baby Jesus grew up and was perfectly sinless in his life. He took upon himself the sins of his people and died a horrible death 
in order to pay the penalty we deserve. He rose from the dead and opened the way to eternal life. Jesus was born to save. He lived to save. He died to save. He rose again to save, and he reigns to save. He sends his Holy Spirit to save his people and to make them his own. He is coming again to bring his salvation to completion. Believe in him and be saved, not only from original sin, but also from indwelling sin. As we celebrate that Jesus was born to save from sin, let us also celebrate what he came to save us for. Jesus was born to save us for fellowship with God, for becoming holy like God, for reigning with God over all creation. Jesus was born so that we might be born again to reign with him. Jesus went from the throne of the universe to the womb of a woman so that we who start in the wombs of our mothers could be exalted to thrones. God became like us that we might become like God. We will never be infinite or equal with to God Almighty. But by faith in Jesus, we become children of God. And somehow, as Peter declares in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, we participate in the divine nature. So as we rejoice in the Son of God becoming one of us, let us also seek to become like him, like him in wisdom, in goodness, and in love now, and then like him in glory and authority as we reign with him. Jesus is the mediator and redeemer we must seek because he is a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures because he is also true God. He is the selected son. Jesus must be sinless because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should make satisfaction for sin, but one who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for others. Jesus is the sinless Son. Jesus must be divine that by the power of his Godhead he might bear in his manhood the burden of God's wrath and so obtain for and restore unto us righteousness and life. Jesus is the saving Son. O come, let us adore him who was born to save. Gracious God, as we reflect upon the simplicity of Scripture and upon the revelation that you brought to Joseph, we begin to see some of the drama of what you have planned through all eternity and how you would be glorified. Father, how we thank you for sending us your Son in this season which is so confusing. Grant that we might rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were born to save, that you became incarnate, God in the flesh.
to live a perfect life for our justification to die an atoning death for our sanctification. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving your people new birth <coughs> and enabling us to enter into the new life. Loving God, save us from our sins and fill us with your life that we may glorify and enjoy you forever. In Christ's name we plead. Amen. Amen.